Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Lance Clifford from LeCliff Kelpies. Lance will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and they will win a bag of Enduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hey Lance, how are you going? Pretty good, thanks Laura. Hello Dan. That's the way. G'day mate. <laughs> how... How was the day in uh, sunny Tasmania, mate? It wasn't very sunny. It was a bit cool this morning for most of the day till the sun came out for an hour or two in the afternoon. But uh, it's been fairly wet the last few days so and a bit cold. Even some snow in some parts of the state today. Oh, really? Oh, wow. A bit unusual for this time of year, this late. It should be more summery weather. Yeah, definitely. Whereabouts are you, mate? I'm towards the north of the state, about half hour east of Launceston. Yep. And have you always been in Tassie? I've always lived in Tassie. Grew up at uh, St Helens on the east coast. And from there, ventured out, spent 30 years in the post, working all around the northern and southern and middle of the state. And then uh, moved to Pine Ganna, bought a farm there, which is just a bit, up, bit away from St Helens. And I farmed there for about 30, 34 years. So I've not always been a working dog. Well, I was. I always had dogs that yeah. uh, had to earn some money at times. <laughs> <laughs> and and what did you do on, on the farm there, mate? What, what did you have? Uh, well, started off with a couple hundred acres at, uh, near St Helens. Brought that off a sunny bush, brought it off... Uh, 10 shillings an acre and 33-year term to pay for it. We'd like yeah. that sort of money these days, wouldn't we? There's only second-class ground, but anyway, that gave me a... I just had a few sheep and a few cattle there and cleared up slowly and then uh, saw an opportunity to move further inland onto a bit of good soil, but fairly flood-prone country at Pine Ganna. It was daring country, really, but I ran fat lamb ewes and a few beef cattle there when I was there. And... Uh, Used to probably have to take on another job on the side to make ends meet, but uh, so yes. it kept us busy. You mentioned you were a postie and, uh, for four years ago. I worked in the post. I started off, did three years riding a bike around St Helens, delivering mail and telegrams, and then graduated onto beef staff and counter work to be postmaster. Um, I think when I was about. Seven, I was postmaster and stayed in the job till I was about, I don't know, 45 or something like that. Went on a trip over to Canada and took three dogs over there and worked in a trial there. And uh, when I come back, I thought, well, gee, I don't really want to go back to work. So I rang up and told them I'm not coming back <laughs> and got out. And about the time, it was just a bit after I'd bought the farm a couple of years later. But uh, as soon as I got that, was when they had the financial crash in the 90s. So it wasn't a very yep. good time to have a good job. <laughs> but anyway, I used, to, I used to ask me how I survived. The taxation department said, you make you make no money and you don't get any benefits, what do you survive? And I had to tell him a bigger mortgage and, uh, what's the name, overdraft every year. But I used wow. to take uh, my jobs as well. I, I took on a carding, bought a truck and was carting some calves and livestock out of Pine Gunner. And then uh, bought a silage wrapper and was wrapping silage. 
for a few years. So made ends meet Whatever it along took. the way. Mm. Whatever it took to make ends meet, mate. That's about what it is. And did you, you mentioned that you had dogs while you were still working at the post office? Yeah, I had dogs before I went in the post office. I probably had my first dog when I was about 12 year old. And uh, I always had dogs when I was in the post office, this block of ground that I was playing around with. And then I guess I never really got into the, I was just, you know, mongrel bred dogs, but they did a job. I used to do a fair bit of driving about on the, the dog and the push bike on the roads and that sort of thing when I was probably, you know, 13, 14. <coughs> but uh, probably about 69, I happened to um, buy a Kelpie from a chap over in Victoria um, off the Liscana stud and that got me started in dogs. I started trialling, but I found out I'd broken it in the wrong way initially to go trialling. So then I had to get a couple more and end up with another three dogs from Liscana stud at the time and those all proved pretty good little trial dogs so and then i was sort of trialing yes laurie i was just going to say um where did your where'd your passion straight up come from for the dogs and livestock oh we'd always had some livestock about and i had dogs i used to help on a farm after school and that sort of thing to make a bit of pocket money and uh, you need a dog quite often to do things. Um, later on, I guess, when I started in the post office, actually I was in Hobart working, I think, when I got my first copy, I decided to get it and uh, sort of just wanted one better than the next fella I had. So actually, I think I wrote to Tim Austin at the time, but he didn't get back to me. Then I picked up <laughs> on the Luscana stud and uh, got dogs from there, and I found that they all turned out pretty good. So... That was probably where I was lucky at that time. A lot of people got some pretty good dogs with a little kind of blood in them. And and why did you chase a Kelpie at that time? Oh, to be different. All the trial <laughs> fellas were working border collies, so I chased Kelpies and, uh, well, perhaps they beat me now, but I was telling, you know, they tell me to get a border collie and I tell them, you know, they ought to get a kelpie and show me how good a where they are. I said, any <laughs> mug can win a trial for border collie. I tried to win a kelpie. <laughs> when you're talking trials, you mean three sheep trials? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, always I prefer them to the yard dog trials, even though I started the yard dog trials off back in 1980, uh, running the first one. But uh, yeah, wow. Yeah, I, I just enjoy the. I think there's probably a bit more finesse in the free sheep trialling game than there is in the yard trialling. But still, yeah. you know, people these days are getting it down pretty well off pat, the yard dog trialling, and uh, they go pretty well with chaps that get into it. But, yeah, I just prefer the, the different type of dog if you're going to go free sheep trialling. And he's a bit harder to find these days too because people are rushing into the good yard dogs and there's not too many breeding for the really good outside dogs. That's my belief. Yeah. If you can tell me where there's yeah. a good outside dog or two, I might might go there to get a, get one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's cool, mate. And, and we'll touch on trying a, a little bit more uh, a, a little bit later. Um, 
you have any hobbies or something outside of working dogs that uh, you used to toy with, or is uh, working dogs your, your your hobby these days? Or oh, when I was younger, I was playing football, cricket, tennis, yeah, badminton. <laughs> um, so sort of oh, we used to do a fair bit of hunting at the times and, and spot lighting and that of the night time, but that was to help feed the dogs. Yeah, so we did have some hunting dogs too, myself and a mate. We'd, I used to take a Kelpies at first, and they were pretty good hunting dogs, but it worried somebody might be a bit quick on the trigger if they see a little red dog coming out of a bush. Mistaken yeah. for a little wallaby or something. So I thought I'd better get a team to were dispensable. Uh, yeah, no, I've always had, uh, I guess, when I got into dogs, I just sort of had occupied a fair bit of my time. And has your passion for your dogs and, and livestock um, passed down through to your kids and grandkids? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't advise any of them to take it up, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, people get into it, but they're interested, but uh, you don't want to push people into those sort of things. Yeah. Uh, they reckon I'm wasting my time. I probably am <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> And obviously you've been around um, and seen a lot of people handle stock for, you know, what you mentioned back trialling in the 80s there, you know, 20, well, nearly 40 years. Have you noticed a change in the way people handle stock these days compared to when back in the day? Uh, yeah, well, I started trialling back in the 70s, early 70s. I've probably been around there for 50 or more years. Um, I think I've noticed a change in the dogs. People... Uh, making dogs more, they're turning them more to a tea, whereas I think going back when I first started, people were, had more natural sheep dogs. But uh, I think they get around now, the, a lot of them were little fluffy white dogs that the sheep seem to like, and one of them will probably get a run at the trial. But uh, I'd prefer to see a, you know, the normal black and white border collie um, than uh, the white ones. But... Uh, Yes, some people, I don't know, I've seen people that are very good trainers and then you see the odd one, Malcolm Taylor over here, he's now deceased, but he used to be, didn't think he was a very good trainer, but he just seemed to have a knack of working. He'd send his dogs down, bring them up the peg, around the peg and off he'd go, around the obstacles without getting any confrontation. But other people had trained their dogs to back off and play about the sheep. Um, I always thought it was better to like to see the person that just got on with the job. And um, you mentioned your first dog there a little while ago. Do you remember what he was? First dog? Oh, I was working on this farm, helping milk and that sort of things and weekends, doing odd jobs. And a little pup wandered from the farm next door about probably half a kilometre to nearly a kilometre away. He's probably only eight or nine weeks old and he wandered over, don't know how, what, what brought him over to the suburb farm. So anyway, I took him back and said to the bloke, do you want him or could I have him? And they give him to me. <laughs> he turned, and I, I named him Prince, so I was going to have a flash dog and a flash name. Anyway, <laughs> because he wasn't going very well, everybody was stirring <laughs> me about him. I then called him, what do they call him? Rook. 
I said I'd been taken down, so I called him Rook. <laughs> but he was a pretty good little dog on the roads and that, you know, because he'd follow me all weekend. And I'd be riding a push bike and he'd always, wherever I was going, he'd always come. And uh, even to the stage <coughs> when I'd, if I was away and didn't go to the farm to milk of the night, he'd always leave home and go over there and check it out because he's used to doing that every day. And uh, But he was a good dog. He probably in none of the style of these others. He'd go around a mob and go woof woof at them, but you know, he turned them around and we had a, you know, he understood what up the bank was. Get out there in the swamp and get the cows out of the swamp. He'd do whatever you wanted him to do and you could take him hunting every weekend and he's as good as any of the hounds and that that the other people people were taking sounds like he just loved you and do anything for you well some dogs do pretty good they sort of enjoy your company and doing things so what type of um style of work dog do you prefer now and has that changed from when you began oh uh, no i suppose the first kelpie i got was a paddock dog and i've always looked for Paddock dogs that you know that are trial, um, you know, fairly crack dogs. Um, so I suppose it's uh, which is a hard part these days to find them. I've stuck along my own breed lines, but an outcross here and there. I used to be when I had more dogs, uh, I used to sometimes send a bitch away to get a pup back or something like that. I've even sent dogs away and to get a pup back. <laughs> Because we had that bit of water between us, which always made it a bit difficult to get what <laughs> yeah. we wanted. But uh, I used to work on the principle, if I sent someone a bitch, maybe an older bitch, uh, get a pup back. They, they did the first cross and then I could get back to my strain and probably, you know, might be able to improve it a bit. Because I think for yep. dogs, that uh, it's a lot to do with how much effort you put into it. As I think of the Kelpies, yep. even uh, if you there's an outstanding dog here and there, but they're never going to, people say we're breeding better and better. I don't think you can say that. I think you get the outstanding dog and you breed from him and they come back to the, back to the level of the general dogs in the end. So I don't think, you know, we're never going to keep going ahead. Of, I think when you look at the dogs that were about 30 years ago, there were good dogs about then, there's good dogs about now. Um, the only thing is, the Kelpie trial, I know when they ran the first Kelpie trial, there's probably three dogs out of 50 got through the yards. Um, that's how poor the dogs were, but people gradually, you know, they had training scores and they learnt and watched and put the effort in. Dogs got better, whereas now most of them are getting hold of their sheep and working them quite well. Yeah. And obviously being over there, and you, you mentioned before it's not easy getting over the ditch, right? Um, did you find oh, how was that? did you find you guys had like a small genetics pool and it's just been added to over the years, or was there a stage where where you just went, no, we need to we need to go back to the mainland to get more dogs, or how, how do you think that how do you see that um happening or happened? Oh, well, there's been, you know, we've found over the years some dogs here. I guess at one time I had a fair few dogs that I'd bred and had bought. And I had dogs, you know, that I wanted to keep a breeding out on farms. 
near where I was, which gave me more scope. It's only when I sort of cut back on dogs the last 10 or 15 years, um, when you haven't got the numbers, you soon run into a dead end with nowhere to go. All your dogs are too close. Yeah. But I didn't really have, I guess I didn't really have a lot of trouble early because when you have a good dog, there's a lot of people sending bitches to you, so you could always get a pup back, so you could keep it going pretty well. Yeah. But I've got myself down to half a dozen dogs now, and they're all fairly closely related, so I don't have much <laughs> many places to go. And is there a few of you that sort of, you know, keep your genetics close within Tasmania, or...? Is everyone sort of separate? We're probably all separate, uh, sort of. Uh, mm. There's a few few people very keen on the yard trials because their dogs probably, there might be some dogs there that might suit me. I can look closely at them all. Like you're not going to tell any yard dog trial, but uh, I haven't seen something really standing out. There's a couple of players on the mainland I think that probably have a dog that it's suit. I've been able to manage so far, but I'm nearly probably, probably I don't need to breed many more dogs. Yeah. But just get get the use out of the ones I've got, it might <laughs> be enough for me. And, and back when you um, did have your farm, what was the country like and did it require a particular type of dog? Well, the first place I had was I brought off the crown was Bush and uh, so he had a bit of, he was looking for a dog that had, Gowan must have a sheep, and the ones I'd had was kind of I found you could trust them away. He put them on scent, and go home, and, and come back to the, the sheep at the gate. Then later in the day, pick a sheep up and poke them along. Um, probably I haven't got dogs like that now, but I haven't got the work like that either. So you don't, without the work experience, they don't develop. Probably those sort of dogs, first time they go out, they might make a bit of a mess of it, but. Uh, they learn how to handle the runs in bush country. And where I used to work, when I used to work for a farmer back when I was still going to school, they used to have a lot of run country on the coast. A lot of booby alas over here and sheep be out on the plains feeding. But if you sent your dog, you couldn't talk or yell because the sheep would go straight into the booby alas and you'd never get them. So you'd had to rely on your dog to cast out around them with no one letting know and get behind them before they knew it to catch them. And that was probably yeah. a good experience for working dogs, you know, with dogs to work that could work themselves and do the right thing. Yeah. But the what first about the terrain? terrain? You go. Oh, Sorry. It was reasonably flat terrain. The places we were at there, it's just, uh, oh, when it was gathering the runs on the coast, uh, uh, you could go to the sandy overgrown stuff or boobiellas, a swamp. The only time I ever come off a horse was the old farmer said to me, we can get through this crossing here, it's not too deep. <laughs> and the old riding got out there, he reckons it's a bit deep, and he rolled over and left me in it. <laughs> but anyway, when I got back, got him on the side and got back on, he... He decided he'd go down the flat to Bucking and carrying on for a while, and so that soon dried me out. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Who'd have horses, eh? 
<laughs> well, we don't seem to have them these days, but I guess no, they would have to no. have a sheep and to work a dog off because you could see what was going on. Yeah. And you could get there a bit quicker too. Yeah. yeah. And back then when you were working, what were you looking for in your own line of dogs? Well, I guess I got the first one from this cow and uh, that was a good little dog. Oh, she'd back and bark. In fact, I even had her one day. I went somewhere and the farmer, I wanted to get a pup from me or something like that, and I had my other dog there and was having a look at these putting some cattle through the race. And he had them there and he said, well, I give my hand to get them in the yard. And then he said, gee, it'd be good if we had a dog to back them. And these were probably, you know, 15 or 18 month old yields. And I said, oh, I reckon she'd go over the back of them. Just said to her, get up there. She went over and backed right up to the front of these cattle. Yeah, well. Just had confidence in you, and I think that's a good thing with dogs. Ask them to do something. If they've got the confidence, they probably will do it, if you know them. But I just like those dogs, and that's why I bought, I must have probably had half a dozen dogs from Liz Canna there. And I had a couple from uh, Bert Bonham, who has had a stud there. I'm trying to think what his stud name was, Glenville. And they were pretty good little dogs too. And were you chasing a team of similar dogs or did you like to have a bit of different work styles and abilities within that team? Oh, I guess when you breed breeding dogs, you're going to get a little bit of variation from them. Um, I was finding those dogs, was, the time was suiting me. I suppose I did a bit more work with dogs in than I do these days. But I found out a fairly good team, half a dozen dogs and a couple of, or two or three really good ones. Beautiful. And who were the most influ influential dogs to yourself? Or did you have one that stood out for you? I suppose this kind of pace was above most of them. He uh, was that uh, he'd work sheep or cattle back and back or he'd work it he won 21 free sheep trials and uh, oh, wow. he was probably in, in tasmania i guess uh, in over three or four years when he was at his top he was probably the best dog in tasmania where he was working against border collies all the time and he was winning himself more than any of the, the others of people were winning with a team of dogs yeah and he was probably pretty way big ahead. And one of his sons was probably not quite as good a trial dog. He wanted to do a, always wanted to push a bit or in a hurry, but uh, he ran, he ran third, I think, in the National Kelpie trial one year up in Sydney. One year went pretty well. He'd ran fifth in the Australasian Sheepdog Championship one year, made the final, and he, he was always up there roundabout. He'd been in the yard dog finals and won a yard dog trial somewhere. But he's probably a bolder nature than pace, so different sort of stocks. If the stock were hard, well, or tough, he, he would go well at it. And pace Did you probably say a bit of that? Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah, no, did you say the National Kelpie Field Trial in Sydney then? Yeah, it has one up there. I forget the name of the place now in Sydney back. Oh, gee. 90s or somewhere like that would it be 90s yeah, wow. Wow. so we're not um, that far out of, out of sydney here and um 
I wasn't aware there was no. a National Kelpie Field Trial ever out this way. Uh, there's a farm out there, a city farm or something like that that was on. I can't think of the name of the place now. Fairfield City Farm? Carnsley City Farm? Sorry? Carnsley, Carnsley City Farm? It. Carnsley, yeah, yeah. that's the one. Wow. Um, yeah. I was there. Jim Luce was there with uh, uh, Sam and... Uh, yep. Yeah. Just Creek Chris Tabor, Chris Tabor with the uh, target, I think. Target, yeah. Um, and I was there. I was had Pete there. He he won the novice and he ran third in the open. Probably wasn't much between the three of them in the open. It was just uh, whoever got the best uh, luck of the sheep, I think. <laughs> that would have been the first and the last round. Yeah, there, I reckon definitely. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now I, I flew up there with one dog, and, and some of the boys there was having a beer after the trial one night. There, gee, what are you doing coming up here with one dog? I said, well, if your best ain't good enough, why bring a rest? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually that, that's actually pretty good philosophy, mate. And uh, even even to travel that far, and, and there's still one or two trials around that that will do do that with one one dog and and still go fairly well. One that run comes to mind to me is Toomsy. He hasn't got George. Now he's retired George, but he'd rock up at somewhere with one dog and do yeah. fairly well. But I suppose George wasn't well, just an ordinary you know, dog either, was he? You probably go better when you only have one. You get two and you <laughs> haven't got the time fill in on them. So, but there is a thing going for you when you get two or three dogs going that you get confidence because you get a good run out of one, you've got nothing to lose with the next one, so you sort of you can really have a go, whereas if you've only got one dog, you strike a bit of bad luck, you get down the mouth a bit. So that's what I found by when you had a team going, you could get confident. I had a dog up here once that uh, he'd been out the farm all his life. I got him in one Friday and took him to trial Saturday. He went and ran 86 and won the novice trial, and I never ever took him to another trial. But, you know, it was just, and actually he beat pace that day <laughs> in the score. Yeah, right. And I, it was my fault, I think. I knew the, the faults of the, the dog, so I give him a bit of start, whereas you didn't help the other dog. You relied on him doing it himself. So yeah. I found you, you could help a dog sometimes, and, and sometimes we're probably remiss. We should have helped the dogs more. And is, I was just going to say, is there one of those old dogs you'd love to have back now? Be very interesting if I had pace back on the trough ground. Uh, um, I don't know if the sheep are really the same or different. We used to work a lot of weathers those days, and uh, they'd probably try and run. Once you caught them, then they'd try and fight you. And if you just survive all that, they'd probably travel pretty well for you. But the sheep these days are often working, or we are over here working ewes or old ewes or something like that. And, they seem to get fairly trotty and keep uh, trotting along. And yeah, we don't get really good trial sheep, I don't think, as we used to. So, you mean like tricky, trickier trial sheep? I think the old ewes are. They sort of, they probably draw you out of position to get up the side to stop them and you, they turn away from you. Weathers that tend to face up to you, probably. But some yeah. places still have weathers, but we're getting caught finding good sheep these days. 
and the way they're handled too, I guess. And, and obviously you've, you've been around a fair while now and seen a stack of dogs and you mentioned some fairly handy dogs and handlers uh, just prior there. Was there a dog that you would have loved to in, inherit back in your day in somebody else's name? Uh, there's another Liz Canna dog. I, well, there's a couple who were pretty good. I liked uh, Marco, which... Um, yeah, Steve uh, Wyman. Yeah, trying to think of his name. Upcountry there and uh, New South Wales. Steve uh, Wayman? No, not Steve Wayman. No, Northern Steve Wayman had Mac, which is, Mac was by this dog. By Marco, yeah, sorry. Was, yeah. Was kind of um, oh, gee, I can't think of his name. But anyway, he's a pretty good handler, but he didn't do much. Didn't stay in dogs very much, but Marco was a good all-round dog. Um, I think uh, Malcolm Peak, he had a couple of dogs there. The ones were fairly good dogs. Yep. There's sort of uh, other dogs. I probably have seen enough of them. Right now, sort of some of the older dogs. When we had Ted Rutland and uh, John Bodie, Body, and old John White. Um, there's a number of dogs about there that were fairly handy dogs. Yeah. I don't know whether we've got those number of dogs going around the free sheep trials that we did back in those days in the say, early 70s. Yeah. Um, question here from Tristan Lyons. Um, on what you've just said there, he's asked, what are the Kelpie lines that are more suited to three sheep trials in your opinion? Oh, <laughs> well, they're hard to find. There's uh, Gary White's always seemed to have a good Kelpie going and he had one there, fella, which uh, undoubtedly yep. he's won a fair bit, was um, pretty good. Gary's a good handler too. Um, it's hard to find a lot. I, I haven't been that round that much the last 10 years either, travelling. But uh, I think last time I was over there somewhere, uh, Rhonda O'Connell had a very nice little Kelpie bitch. She ran second yeah. probably at Henty, I think it was, and somewhere else that might have been at the Caroit um, or somewhere later in the big trial. She had a do nice little dog that time going around and stood out. And um, have you still yeah, got Kelpies? Your... Sorry? Yeah. No, no, sorry, sorry, mate. I was do you still, what's your pack? You said you have half a dozen dogs there at the moment. Um, what do you have in your pack? Uh, so one bitch that's been not really trained for much. Um, he's not nice moving bitch. It gets ahead and a little bit soft on sheep, but uh, I kept her. I liked her like the way she worked for a bitch. Um, I've got a dog there. He was by a mating. I got to a mainland dog, Halstead's Johnny, which a fellow over here had bought. And uh, he'd been breeding probably utility dogs with him or yard dogs with him. But I bred him to a bitch I had and come up with a couple of nice bitches. I think I did have three dogs there at one time. The dog didn't set, set anything alight, but the two bitches were pretty good and neat and tidy. And then I bred, must have bred, uh, I must have had a puppy out of one of those, which I then mated to a bitch of Chris Stapleton's. I got a pretty good little dog back out of that to trial pretty well. He made the Henty top 20 and he made top 20 at the Supreme that year. Um, he was a nice moving dog. 
Um, yes, but I've been, don't quite know where I go to get what I want at the moment. And you still got all Kelpies in your team? They're all Kelpies, yeah. I've got two pups about six months old because I was fairly involved with uh, organising the last Supreme and that I didn't get around to breaking them in yet. So they're ready and waiting. Don't know that they're going to be trial dogs, though. I'm a bit unsure about that. They're by an old dog that uh, was by a dog of mine. That, uh, and then I've got a 18-month-old one. I like him. He's um, He's got a nice grip. He gets a grip of the sheep and fairly soft. And he needs... I probably need to get into him and get sides on him now and put some work into him. The other dog, I've got seven or eight-year-old, but he's... Uh, a main go-to dog at the moment. He's probably better around the place than he is in the sheepdog trials. He probably wants to do a bit much and probably I've spoiled him. He's a handy dog around the place. Um, it's, oh, yeah, I've got another dog too. He's fairly rough, but he's out of the litter <laughs> that I liked and I better a little ups by a brother him and then I've sold him and kept this one. I uh, just... He's a, it's something in him. You can lean on him and he's still facing up to you and wanting to work a sheep. And I find, you know, sometimes when you've got putting a bit of pressure on a dog, I don't want him to turn and go back, whereas this fellow's standing up and facing up and I know he's plenty strong enough. I just didn't I come along about when I was moving house and I didn't get the work into him that I should have done. And I made yeah, a mistake. Yeah. I kept three out of the litter. Which <laughs> never... <laughs> um, there's a question here from Marty Campbell. Um, earlier you mentioned that you found you were breaking your dogs in the wrong way for trialling. Um, so he's asking, what is your ideal method to break a dog in for trialling? Um, well, I've never been really one for the round yard. I've only got a, got a round yard to... Put one here off the chap who was given up trialling back probably a couple of years ago, but I've only reared a couple of dogs through there. Just a small paddock, as usually I like to give them a little bit of room. Um, I suppose it depends a lot on the type of dog you've got or your confidence in your dog. Um, plenty of pups, if you could, you know, I might think he's got what I want. I'm prepared to take him out in the paddock and let him have a go. On the answer few quieter sheep, nine or ten. Um, if you're unsure of something, well, he's probably better in a smaller yard or in a round yard till you get control of him. But uh, shouldn't ask me that question. I'd be, I don't have enough time into breaking my dogs. <laughs> I tend to take them out <laughs> to do something and want to want to move pretty quickly with them. But it's probably not the right way. You should probably spend more time just to plan about with them. <laughs> Well, you must have done something right with pace. Yeah, well, I was probably, I think he's about the third dog. Um, yeah, I carded him about a lot and he was sort of a dog, you know. He, you could get to do whatever you wanted, he's there, willing. Um, like he'd, you know, used to be playing cricket with my son, out there fielding the ball. He loved, you know, getting involved in those sort of things. Sort of, and then he's in a movie one time, six weeks in a movie, 
and he had to attack someone one night under lights and uh, the chap was going to fire off a flintlock pistol or something like that at the time while the attack was on. Anyway, Pace went, when I told him to get hold of the fella, he went in and was worrying him. He wouldn't sink a teeth, but he'd worry you. And anyway, <laughs> then they said to me, oh, can you get him off? That's enough. So anyway, I called him off and then take my eye off him. He'd come off about 10 yards. He, the fellow's just getting up off the ground. He dived back in and bowled him over again. <laughs> <laughs> I said, we wanted that, but we weren't going to ask for it. He's <laughs> <laughs> a dog. You, oh, I used to play with him. I used to, he used to jump at me and I'd push him off with my arm. And it got to be a real game and he sort of enjoyed it. And that's how I knew I could. Well, when I went for, they come looking for someone to, go in the film and somehow they got to me. Anyway, I went round for an audition after this trial and when I got there, they said, he attacked someone. I said, well, you come outside in the lawn there and I'll show you. And they said, no, we're not paid for that. So I got the job, but <laughs> nobody ever attacked. <laughs> Did they still anyway, have the cameras rolling on the second time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still on there. Awesome. It's in the movie. Manganini. It's about the last of the Aborigines over in Tasmania. Yeah, and right, yeah. He, he was, there's a, the Aborigine woman and a girl who got lost in the bush with a, an eight or nine-year-old girl. It might have been seven, I'm not too sure. And the dog sort of was a company. They found the dog and it, the dog accompanied them around for six weeks. So the first week of shooting, I have to put Pace in there and move him up to the prime spot to get him the best picture of him. <laughs> and mostly people in the film industry who all, if they've got the dog in the picture, that's good. We better go while he's there. They're just some pretty poor dogs. But, yeah, they woke up after a week or two. They said, can you make him less prominent? They realised I was pushing him in to get the <laughs> best shot all the time. <laughs> anyway, it must have done him good. We had six weeks away filming, moving around Tasmania. And... Uh, the weekend were finished. I think it finished on the Thursday on the Saturday sheepdog trial and ran 100 with him. Oh, wow. Uh, it must have worked pretty well. He must have enjoyed his time time acting. Yeah, oh, I think he did because we are staying around all the flash hotels and was in the National <laughs> Park, no dogs allowed. <laughs> he was allowed. <laughs> Only thing was when I first started on the job, I was in Hobart and... That is it booked. It was all had a hotel booked out for us, and they said to me, "Oh, you got to take him in your room." I said, "I'm not taking him in my room. He's not, I don't have dogs in the house. I used to have dogs in the house. He used to sleep. He'd sleep on the floor of a car, and he wouldn't you'd leave him in the car on the front front floor. He would never never lift move from there. He wouldn't look out the window or anything. He'd stay on the floor, and he'd probably travel a fair few miles like that when I was moving about." Yeah. And do you think the amount of time you spent with him and becoming mates and developing that bond um, was a testament to how good he went for you? I think as all that's a, all helps. I, I sort of got him as a four or five month old pup and I was leading him about the trials and that sort of thing till he's eight, eight months old. Never let him go off the lead. He's eight months old. I think I had some, was in the post office till then. I had a month's leave 
and I thought, well, I'd better break him in. So I spent a month, I was kept with that St Helens where there was a bit of a farm, was a farm and a few mates out there and, you know, you'd go around and visit your mates and give your dog a run on their sheep and on place and, and sort of at the end of a month, I had him ready to go trialling. And he was running really good trials from you know, with a month's training. Yeah, awesome. Right. Then I took him on a tour of the mainland when when he was 15 months old and he went pretty well then too. And, and how much time would you put into training into the dogs you have now? Me? <laughs> I train once a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I take it very well. Yeah, I, not spending much time. I give me a run night and morning, but we haven't been doing much training. There seems, always seems to be another job. As soon as I finish this job, I'm going to go and train the dogs, but there seems to be another job lines up somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I used to, I guess, one time I was working at Beaconsfield, I was postmaster down there, and I had a mate, I was a mate there, retired. I got to hit a farm. Anyway, he's interested in dogs, so I used to go down and chase his sheep around every night, and then I'd take my dogs for a long run every morning behind the car. Those days, there weren't that much traffic about on some of the bush roads. You could do those sort of things, but I thought it was probably always, when I was doing that, I was always dreaming if I had my own farm, I'd be able to work my dogs more. But I think afterwards I found out when I, when I had my own farm, first of all, I was at the post office at St Helens, half an hour away. And you'd be travelling to work. You'd have to go around and do some farm work, check your lambs and all that in the morning. And then 8 o'clock, get in quick in the shower and then get to St Helens on the job and get home at 6 o'clock and then have to rush around and check the sheep again or do something in summertime. There'd be other jobs to do. But, uh, yeah, so it's uh, not, uh, I suppose, you know, you spent, when I was chasing the other chap's sheep, which was the best way to go. If you chase their sheep, you go home, you don't have to crush, crutch them, drench them, move them without a feed them. <laughs> That's probably the best way to train. Definitely. <laughs> what age do you normally go about starting your pups? Oh, I'd like to see them about four to five months old. I think don't see a lot of people getting them out of six weeks of age. It doesn't really show what they're going to be. And I think you're probably more inclined that they're going to be chasers and that sort of thing. I'd rather see them big enough to sort of go out and work properly and use their brain and just go out and yap and chase. And like, you know, that'll sell pups if you want to sell pups. Get them out there early doing something and people will rush them. But I think you might be better. Well, approve the pace, leave them till eight months, just socialise them about and that sort of thing. It's probably got a calmer dog and let them, let them work in a natural way rather than I think you can easily get bolts in young dogs. They're not quick enough to get round the sheep and end up chasing or getting in too close and or jammed in the corner. There's lots of things can happen. Yep. And doing fairly well in your outside work in, in trialling with your Kelpies, uh, I presume you had fairly good control. Uh, how did you go about putting a sit? On your dogs or a stop well i'd say normally i used to when i used to train a bit more i used to put them on a peg with a you know half a chain of lead 
and a peg on put a peg in the ground and they can circle around it and what i'd find with it you call your dog out to the end of the tether tell it to sit and you know you just have a little stick there so you can tap him on the nose and say stay and you to get you walk a little bit away from him he can't come because he's at the end of the collar then you can go out to the side of the of your circle call him over to you because he can come on the round the, the leader let him come around there and i found that was a good way of teaching them that quite often i just take them out to the sheep put them on sheep and lean on them a bit and expect them to start stopping mm-hmm. it, it's a shortcut <laughs> probably you do it the right way <laughs> and what about sides well doing pegging them out on that lead so all you need to do is go along tapping around behind them until they get over or whatever you want to use the command and you can get them i just use coming here and you can walk in walk behind them push them over and then you can call them away or push them back other ways left or right <coughs> which can be done done on a cord fairly easily or you do the other lazy way just get some sheep on the fence and you're you're out on one wing and the dog's got the other side and you can always call him back to you or send him around mm-hmm. or when you're going up the fence you can have him on the right pushing the sheep when you're coming back you can have him on the left and uh, you can just get into the habit of calling him around as you go yeah and did you used to split up a bit of dry work with a bit of stock work or, or dry training didn't do much dry training perhaps uh, take a pup when i was going out to get the paper every morning walking out to, and sitting down and i'd walk on another 20 30 meters call him up because if you're doing that firstly you should always sit him down if you walk off and leave them always go back and give them a pat before you release them because if you get the habit of calling them up first they mightn't be as reliable to stay but if they know you're coming back to give them a pat and that's one way of teaching to stop and sit you know until you get them good after you get them better well a bit of practice well then you can ask them to come come on just come on when you want but uh, yeah. i did look at read a, read a book from the police dog training circle um that was quite interesting one about how they train their dogs they only train them five days a week with natural because the trainers only works five days a week so the two <laughs> days off and they they started on different uh, like just even dog lead the first week you take him for a walk it doesn't matter where he is or what he does and you give him 20 minutes or something like that twice a day and the way what you're supposed to do is end a bond with your dog go somewhere quiet sit down with your dog for 20 minutes after that exercise and put him away and do the same again in the afternoon the next week you do that exercise instead of letting him be where he likes you make him stay behind so you just have a longer stick you know just keep him in behind you do that for a week and the next week you make him heal and just to, by adding to the thing, thing as they go ended up and doing the bonding thing every day sitting with 20 minutes i tried it with three dogs pups i had at one time but i had taken too much time for three of them but i couldn't see the <laughs> results that 
that I was getting by doing it. Yeah. And um, with, you know, cast is obviously quite important in the three sheep. If you can't get the cast, you can't do the rest of the trial. But what kind of casting action do you prefer? Um, I, I like a dog to cast onto his sheep, but when he sights them, to move out and give a bit of room. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like a dog to just cast well... In the trials, cast a fence. I'm not that keen on. I like to see them cast onto the sheep. Um, and I think it probably got a natural cast, really. The dogs that'll find the good casting ones. Some have got too much eye and they stop short. That can be, you know, trained out if you get into it early. I think. But uh, yeah, I've always looked through casting dogs, like paddock dogs, that'll cast out, give the sheep room at the far end. Yep. That's uh, just on that, um, you actually mentioned a good point there about dogs that cast on the sheep rather than dogs getting out on the fence. Do you want to elaborate on that for us a little bit, please? Well, I suppose sometimes gathering sheep, you'd like a dog to go around the fence. But I just have more respect for a dog, especially in a free sheep on an oval, that's going to go around to where it ought to be rather than I know there's a lot of trainers I've seen at times they train their dog to run around the fence and when he gets to the other end, they tell him to sit down. Um, I'd have thought a dog would pick that up pretty easy, you know, to be a natural caster if you do any work with them. Yeah. Sorry, you're right. Uh, I think there's a bit of difference there in different dogs. Uh, I had a bitch once when you sent her out because she's used to bush runs, a couple hundred acres. She'd go out when she found the first lot of sheep, she'd stop, she'd approach them. As soon as she got them moving in, she'd go on another 100 yards, come in and push some sheep in. And she'd do that and then she'd work back around the paddock again, always tucking them in as she went. But I don't know whether you'd ever train that. I think it's just <laughs> something that dog had. I don't know where yeah. it got it from or what it was. That's, that's a great trait yeah. to have. Yeah. Did she ever yeah. pass, did you breed from her and did she pass that on to any pups? Well, I don't, no, I didn't get that from any pups, no. Yeah. Did you breed many pups back in the day? Probably bred a fair few pups. I was probably breeding two or three litters each year, whereas now I'm perhaps breeding a litter every three years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what, what did you like about breeding your own pups? Oh, I think you got to know the dogs you had is, you know, the dogs, you knew what, you know, how hard you could be on them. Um, you knew what they was going to go out and do. That's what I, I find when you go somewhere else, you find a dog. I had a dog once that I got in. He might have been by one of my dogs, but he never wanted to go to the head. And you... No, sort of he'd work her right along the back with you, but you couldn't get him to cast out behind the out round the sheep to get to the head. And it's pretty hard to train a dog if you don't want to get to, to the front of them. But to get to the front of them, he's not much trouble. You can you can crack a stock whip or anything like that to make him stop and think. But you know, if they don't want to go out, you can't it's pretty hard to chase them out. 
Yeah. It involves more effort too, trying to get out. Well, that's it. I'm not as fast these days. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any opinion of, um, you know, a bitch has more, uh, what's the word? Um, more to do with the pups. <laughs> Yes, that's, I, I yes, I have a total yeah. mind blank. I knew what you yeah. meant. Yeah. Compared to the um, dog or? That's pretty interesting sort of. Uh, I've had a, always had a theory yeah. that the bitch, the first litter from a bitch would be the best litter. I can't say that it's not all the time. And sometimes you find a bitch who's a real breeder and whatever you put with whether it was a spaniel, it probably produced good workers. But... On a general sort of thing, I've usually found I'd get the best litter, best pup out of the first litter, mm-hmm. and quite often I've gone looked for that or looked for that pup all along the way. Um, I still think you know you go to need to go to a fairly good dog, but if you've got a good bitch, you can get to a good dog. But if you've got a good dog, you mightn't get anywhere. So bitches are probably more valuable. How how did you go picking a dog for your bitches? Uh, depends what you've got. I've never, not so much like for like. Some people like to breed like for like. I've usually gone with a, a softer kind of bitch and put a harder dog there. Or sort of sometimes you might have a bit more eye or something like that. And I've probably gone that way by having a, like to have just a foolproof, nice um, bitch, uh, sort of a good temperament. She doesn't. She can be a bit plain. I don't need her to be. You know, you can get a bitch right on the ball and fire and all that, but I'd rather just a plain bitch that does have the correct things and get working around sheep, gets to the head, and uh, doesn't cause any trouble. And uh, you know that's what I've looked for most of the time. Yeah. Yep. And um, do you have? I'm sorry. Do you have anything you want to put into your line moving forward, or you're pretty happy with where it is these days? I'm too old to worry about too, <laughs> going too much too far. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, got a couple of pups there now. That is me for another 10 years wouldn't it (laughs) speaking of how do you pick a pup for yourself let somebody pick the rubbish out (laughs) (laughs) you don't have a a secret handshake or you're not looking for something different or no i haven't worried um or color I suppose uh, I used to, at one stage, I was getting too many creamy pups. I'm not a believer in breeding creamy pups because the farmer gets them and he goes out to move a thousand weathers. You've only got one creamy pup there, dog there. The weathers are nearly walking out of a paddock, uh, unless it's a very forceful dog. And, yeah, I just think as a tool, they're probably better to be a black and tan or red and tan, so... I started picking for the coloured ones to get away from there. It took me a couple of generations at the time. But yeah. 
don't think I see any cream ones now. Though some people are making them a are breeding bread for cream, and uh, I suppose just people because they're different people are wanting them. But I think they're probably a bad attribute to breed for. You're too easy to get uh, litter after litter. It'll be all cream if you breed too much along that line. It could dominate yeah. a bit more. Mm-hmm. And do you have any advice for someone wanting to purchase their first dog or pup? Uh, uh, just look around fairly hard at the dogs the people have got and what they've produced. Uh, I think nothing like having a look and, at dogs. I think two people sort of read a bit on about different ones and think they're champions. And I think the best shots to go and have a look at someone that's doing the sort of work you're going to, going to do. Yeah. Beautiful advice. Absolutely. So you um, you mentioned earlier that you started um, yard trialling. Was that, that was over in Tassie? Yeah, we ran the first yard dog trial in Tassie. And probably second, we ran one in 1980. Yeah. Uh, that came about because uh, we used to have a trial at Sullins at the time when I was there, and we used to run a farmer's trial with three sheep, which they never went very well at. And uh, instead of having a one-hour lunch while they ran that, we'd end up spending another hour chasing the sheep and getting it back together. So I decided perhaps instead of having to keep around after we have the farmer's trial, we'd have a yard trial. And the old farmer I used to work for, he used to say, oh, one time, you know, he was younger when there was a bush work, our oh, old lassie would get him out in the bush and the boobella and that where your dog would never see him. So when I got my first kelpie, she was a pretty good gathering bit. Uh, then he started saying, oh, but she'd be no good in the yards. How old Matt or something in the yards would kill him, you know, the sheep through. So I thought, oh, well. I knew I could beat them outside and beat them inside. I decided I'd put on the yard trial, so I got the use of a set of sheep yards and we developed the course and rules and I selected an old truckie who was a bit interested in dogs to come along and judge it and we put them in there, but we didn't get these old farmers there, but we got a lot of other people interested and the next year organised for Countrywide to come and film it. And that's what really set it off. Well, the first year too got set off because an eighteen-year-old girl won it, which was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, um, the first yard dog trial. She used to do work at the local sheep yards when they was penning up the Launceston could kill a fatty at the time. So she had a oh reasonable little dog, you know, do what you wanted. And at that time, we had a lot of jackaroos and come because of the crowd and the people nearby. Their dog wouldn't work at all and as I said to them at the start you know just take the sheep around do what you got to do <laughs> and people were walking around to take the sheep around but uh, the next year they got a bit better and got a few more come along and changed the course a little bit but uh, so a stockman out there he used a free sheep trial as well it's pretty good at free sheep so he'd handle his dogs and he won it but uh, we had a chap from mainland Greg Harris over and judged it and uh, we sort of worked out some rules and set that out and that went after that people saw it on the tv and ended up going over the victoria and run it one at the kilmore show they ran the first one on the mainland 
then they went to South Australia, West Australia, and New South got going. And uh, Kilmore, when I ran the one over there, I wasn't very popular with the local three sheep trial people. They all come along and they're sitting up on the bank. And somebody intruding in their space, uh, running a yard trial with different rules. And they, they come down to tell me, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. And dogs aren't allowed to do that. And I said, well, you just have to sit and watch. We're going to do it. Because the people that come along weren't trialists. So they didn't have any, you know, they couldn't threaten to ban us or rub us out. They so we just went along and took a little while. But they come to live with it after a few trials, I think. <laughs> so I Karen's asked why do you think yard trialing has become so popular well because it's you can run it in a small area local shows and all that whereas the free deep trial need the full arena and shows tend to have the arena packed out with the grand parade and horses and all sorts of things so yes whereas I'll find a corner for a yard trial and there's a lot of younger people you go to a three sheep trial um perhaps you know someone decides he's got a dog and will do that gets along at the three sheep trial and find it's a lot more difficult than it looks to even hold on to the sheep uh, three crazy sheep and they soon give up they go to a yard trial well you got 10 or 12 sheep and it's doing what they're doing at home all the time so i think uh they can get a better run at it and uh people stay because of interest Beautiful. And um, do you have a favourite trial to participate in, one that you might do good at every year or? <laughs> it's a while since I've done very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I've always always liked the state championships, their bigger trials. Um, mainland, Canberra was always a nice trial to go to, Molong. Yep. Um, I found they were... Suppose it's going back uh, 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. There's very interesting trials. You meet a lot of the older people there. I remember when I younger and going to Canberra there, a young Jim Luce come along one day. He, I think he did a couple of years, sat on the fence watching it. And uh, there's a couple of years later before I come back and then I find he's out there competing. Yeah, I was in the yard trials then, but yeah, Jim was uh, used to be there in the day watching the dogs at Canberra is very interested but watching he looks apparently was learning a fair bit too <laughs> <laughs> what do you think makes a good trial makes a good trial oh I suppose a good judge good sheep I don't mean pet sheep that you need a little bit in the sheep um I suppose it's the way you let out the sheep. The, I've seen some trials where sheep are let out. I know somewhere I've used to pile them onto a trailer behind a motorbike and race them out there and kick them off there. And you know, you didn't weren't sitting <laughs> get a very good run. I didn't think that a lot of places that are letting out sheep good well can make a fair bit of difference to your trial. But uh, yeah, they're all enjoyable, I guess probably more of the people that are there that are enjoyable than the trial itself. They always go along, you know, looking to win the trial or make money out of it. Uh, I suppose just a, you know, it's an outing. Or it's from here, well, we used to go for a couple of weeks or three weeks or a month and do some trials. It was always interesting to meet 
people again that you met up a year, isn't it? Yeah. And see and, the dogs, different dogs. Yeah. And, and throughout those travels, is there something you've seen uh, a lot of handlers struggle with and, and where do you think they can improve? Um, I guess uh, they probably struggle if you say it, they'd be with uh, three sheep trialling. Um, I guess trying to improve on that needs to find on the better dogs. It's You can do a lot of, like I say, you know, if you want to win the Melbourne Cup, you could train a draft horse for years. You're not going to go any better, are you? No. Um, a bit like dogs, being able to pick your dog that'll suit. But that comes back that the beginners aren't very good at picking their dogs either. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just when you were saying that, there was a sausage dog at the yeah. door that didn't agree with you then. <laughs> he was having a bit of a growl through the door. That's good, man. What do you feel was your best uh, trialling achievement thus far? Quiet, Captain. Oh, oh I don't know if there's any great achievements. <laughs> or a special there. moment? No. Oh, no, I don't know if there's been any special moments. It's sort of, uh, I've been enjoyed ones. It's nice to go to land and do well in the trial. So the Kilby one can't be up among it to pick up the novice and be among them. I also went to one of the first uh, Kilby trials where they started the yard work. I think it was in about 81 or 82, 82, I think, Warnable was held. I think I had two two dogs in the final there. Um, sort of that was when there weren't many, there's 50 dogs and there's only four people got out of the yards. Yeah, well. The dogs weren't very good at that time. Um, where else have I been? I went to the, uh, to the Victorian time when they used to have a cast over 400 metres away. They used to have a sheep in a pen down there, which they wouldn't. They used the pen up, pull it, pull it over. When if your dog got about halfway down the ground, otherwise they wouldn't let the sheep out if you didn't get down the ground. Yeah, I couldn't right. see whether my dogs got around them or not, but they did let the sheep out and have <laughs> three dogs in it and get the three dog aggregate and plus the best cast lift and draw or equal best cast lift and draw there that wow. year. So. People were, that was when I was still working in postals and people were saying to me, you know, your dogs will be no good this year. you got to go that far. And I was, there was a chap who was there and Bill Marshall was there. He was because of those days. And Bill was saying, oh, my dogs will be no good at this. They're only used to a small arena at home, which is apparently true. But what I was doing that day at the trial, before, before I'd run my dog, I'd go down there, and when they when they send Bill went and sent the dogs, I'd take take my dog down and watch the dog go down the ground, and let him see sheep come up the ground. I thought you'll learn the sheep down there if you keep seeing sheep coming up the ground, and that proved to be alright because they all went and my dogs all went and got the sheep. Yeah, and that was a team of three Lascana dogs. That was 
It's Campace, Trixie and Ross. That's awesome. So. I haven't done a lot of three sheep trialling, but I've had that advice given to me like when I'm out there. Before you go home, just run your dog. Let them watch where where the sheep are coming out from so they know where which way to go. And they're not just running out there blind casting and maybe crossing you. Like at least they've got some kind of direction they might kick out to start with. Yeah. Mm. Mate, well, um, it's come to that time of night. Was there a question that stood out from one of our um, viewers tonight? And I'll win a bag of enduro high energy food for with real kangaroo meat. Did someone ask me how to start a pup? Was it? Where was yes. starting in the yard or paddock? There was one about um, your ideal breaking in method for trialing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, that was Marty Campbell. If um, if Marty, if you could get in contact with us, um, just your email address, phone number, and in a postal address. address. Yeah. We'll organise a bag of uh, enduro for you, mate. And uh, Lance, uh, there's also one coming your way for uh, being a guest tonight. All right. Thanks, mate. <laughs> no, nah, you're welcome, mate. Hopefully, hopefully it feeds your dogs. Uh, <laughs> looks after your pack a little bit, mate. Um, was is there... it? Is there anyone you'd like to see um, on Dog Talk? Oh. well, have you ever had John Getty on? No, no we, we haven't. haven't. He's bred a lot. He's bred a lot of kelpies. That's pretty knowledgeable. Beautiful. Folk. We'll have to. Yep. There you go. On the list. We'll uh, see if we get hold of John. <laughs> one last question. Um, would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? Much fighters in all these horses or ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd take a one, one horse, yep. one the size of a horse. Beautiful. And why would you take the one on, mate? Oh, I don't think horses would be that bad, would they? <laughs> oh, they would find out. <laughs> I wouldn't like to see a, I wouldn't like to see a dozen ducks buzzing around me. At least I could dodge <laughs> one horse. Yeah, yeah, I don't like ducks. Mate, thank you very much for your time tonight. Uh, really appreciate you uh, jumping on to have a chat with us. Thank you. Dan, Laura. No, thank Very you. It's been great. And thanks to all our guests uh, who tuned in tonight and everyone listening back. And please remember, we learn every day, and the day we stop learning from each other will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Thanks, Lance. Thanks. <laughs>